0: Hello and welcome to Creative Lives, the Lecture in Progress podcast. Lecture in Progress is an online resource that inspires and informs the next generation of talent by providing practical advice and insight into the creative industry. This podcast series features a broad range of people talking about what they do and how they got to where they are. Our guest this week is Hayley Redman. My name is Hayley Redman and I am a senior copywriter
1: at Innocent Drinks.
0: Haley works collaboratively with an in-house team of writers and designers to create copy and concepts for a huge range of platforms, from packaging and campaigns, to work for TV, print and press. We try to be as collaborative as possible. A good idea can come from anywhere and if it is a really clever line that comes
1: from a designer or a visual idea that comes from a copywriter that's brilliant we work in a big team we work in partnerships we do brainstorms we work with other parts of the business and I think that if you are a precious creative you don't get as much benefit from just listening to other people and building on ideas and I think that there's a real joy in being collaborative and generous and finding good thing even if an idea doesn't sound brilliant to start with building on it changing it seeing it from another way looking at it in a way that you can go right okay maybe not that exact thing but if we did it like this or like that uh, we can make that really work, and I and I think being open and collaborative and generous always results in very good work and very well kind of built work, you know, very well crafted work.
0: As well as writing and coming up with ideas, strategy is also a vital part of Haley's role and integral to the success of a campaign.
1: Strategy plays a massive part trying to really like interrogate why people would respond to a certain name or a certain layout of a pack, just the semiotics of where they would look first and what are the claims we need to make that really are relevant to people and how do we phrase it in a way that doesn't seem very salesy or very cold and corporate.
0: Originally from South Africa, Haley studied Dramatic Arts at university before finding her way to the world of advertising. When I was little, I wanted to
1: be either a doctor or a book writer, novelist, those are the two things that I thought were the coolest jobs in the world. You could write stories for people or that you could heal people. Um, and luckily, I do get to write stories in a sort of a different way. But yeah, I always loved reading and loved writing. So it was even when I was little, I was quite keen to do it. I studied drama and film. <laughs> so I did a film degree with a dramatic arts major. Um, so I learned, like I did acting and dance and, and I also did film theory and dramatic theory and all that kind of stuff. But I did a lot of writing in my third and fourth year. We did a lot of obviously screenwriting and playwriting and and writing craft generally. So I got to do quite a lot of that at university. But it was, I think the thing that's helped me the most more than getting to write a little bit at university was... Doing dramatic theory and understanding the meaning behind things, me, the meaning of uh, vis- like you know visual uh, metaphors as well as you know written metaphors, and how you kind of imbue something with a kind of gentle meaning. The way that I got into advertising was that I'd been working at a research company actually, doing sort of marketing and proposal writing um, for this research company, and uh, I'd been doing that for a while, and and enjoyed it, but wasn't sort of you know, passionate about it. And I'd spoken to a few friends who had either interned or had uh, experience working in advertising agencies. And I'd always just like the idea of creating. It was always something that was interesting to me because it is just telling a short little story and, you know, a short time that you can. So 30 seconds, tell a little joke or tell a little fun fact about whatever it is that you're selling. So it was just something that I hadn't really, you know, made a big deal of in my head, but when I, I heard a job had come up, someone had said to me, this is, this is going, it was word of mouth, is it something that you'd be interested in? And I went for the interview and I hit it off for the people who were there. And I think that, you know, that was, it was definitely a, a personality match because I think they maybe took a little chance on me, not having had that much experience, definitely not in ad agencies. And that's kind of the, my, my road in, was, was meeting people who felt like they were like-minded and interesting and really just kind of made me excited to do a good job. So I was joined up with someone when I started working in advertising. They gave me a partner. And it took two or three partners before I actually got joined up with someone who had been in a partnership with someone for quite a long time as well, but they felt like they were maybe getting a bit stale, they weren't having as much fun as they used to have, Um, and they were uh, like an all-male couple, and they decided they were going to kind of try splitting and seeing what it was like working with other people. And I started working with, uh, his name's Grant, and he was just amazing, just such an incredibly generous person, supportive, a real champion of creativity, but also a real champion of people having a good life life, you know, and, uh, you know, just getting opportunities. And you could say an idea and they would instantly make it 10,000 times better idea. <laughs> they would build on your idea and never ever say, oh, no, I don't think we can do that. They would just listen to you and say, oh, that's fantastic. We can do it like this. And then if we make it look like that, it will be brilliant. And, they, you know, he did. He, he made everything so brilliant. So I was very lucky that I got partnered with him and it worked for both of us. So it was good. <laughs>
0: After moving to London, she worked in-house at Macmillan Cancer Support before joining Innocent in 2015.
1: The main difference between working in agency and working in-house is, I think, how bought-in you are to the brand. So, you are in-house, you are a guardian. Of that brand, you are a gatekeeper. You feel very passionately, and also you're just so embedded. You know, you you believe so passionately in what you do. You care so much about the products that you make that you you want to do the very, very, very best job that you can every single day. I think in agencies, you are exposed to loads of different brands, so you get the opportunity to work across lots of different kinds of tone of voice and lots of kinds of different communications. But because they are just clients, you have a little bit more of that distance where you might feel very passionately about the brand. You know, it might be something that you really love. You still are answerable to a client who, you know, could have a completely different idea of what they want to do. So I think that when you're in-house, you, you feel a lot more part of building that brand. Also, I think the work-life balance is just quite different. It, from my experience working in agency, it is very full on, it's long hours, it's when you're on pitch, you work very late, you work weekends and it's, it's kind of expected, it's kind of demanded of you. And I think uh, in-house is a lot more, there is a healthier work-life balance. I think there's a lot more of a, you know, we're all in it together, we're all colleagues, we all wanna do well, we all wanna feel good at the end of the day um, and we wanna make sure that we're getting the best from ourselves so we give ourselves time off as well.
0: Innocent drinks are known for their uniquely chatty and conversational tone of voice. Whether it's a playful product description or pun-filled posters, their decision to ditch cold corporate terminology has helped them stand out from the crowd. My biggest challenge working in a place like Innocent
1: is making sure that we are always getting the tone of voice spot on, dead right, because we are so protective and so incredibly keen and, and proud to make sure that we're showing off our tone of voice in the best possible way because it is strong, because it is different, because it is so well-known and, and revered in the world. And that was way before I ever came, we were way before I ever started. We were super famous for the tone of voice. So the challenge is making sure that we never, ever drop the ball, that every bit of writing is considered and has the innocent charm and the innocent humor and you know, there's, there's never room to let that slide and you have to be vigilant and you have to make sure that the people you work with are the right people doing the the best work that they can do as well and just nailing it all the time. So I've definitely made mistakes. I've definitely put stuff out into the world where I've regretted them and felt like that wasn't quite good enough or it wasn't to, to my best standard of work or it felt like I was compromising on my own values. And I think that once you understand that you don't want to do that anymore or you don't agree with, you know, oh, well, the client just wants it or someone else in the marketing team said they wanted to do X or whatever. When you, when you find out what your values are and what you do stand for and what you won't just kind of Sacrifice to make a client happy, I think, then you start to figure out what kind of writing you want to do. So, I think that's probably a big lesson for me was kind of learning to put my foot down and say, mm, I don't think that's right. We also create culture, we're responsible for what we put into the world. So, yeah, I would say that's a big learning for me. I think when you see other people imitating, the innocent tone of voice. You see it a lot more now. You see on bags of lettuce, on biscuits, on milks, whatever it might be. You see people being a lot more chatty and jokey and quirky and, you know, tr- definitely emulating, I think, how we started out. Um, and obviously, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, so it is, it's nice to know that it's worked well. People like it, so they're trying to do it as well. But I think the, the thing that we are committed to is that we feel like we did it first, <laughs> and I think that we did it very well first. And I think that if we can keep doing it in a way that feels true to our brand, true to our personality, and keep being strong, and funny and smart and interesting, that's fine. We're, we're happy to keep being that personality and being that brand who did that and continues to do it. It's just that we can never we, we can never drop because if we're going to be the best, we have to be the best all the time. I do think anyone can be a copywriter. I think that if you have a love of language, if you have a love of turn of phrase, if things like that stick out to you when you are reading or uh, when you just you know looking at advertising or just looking at the side of a cereal box maybe if the little bits of language that really like surprise and delight and just kind of tickle you I think that you could be a copywriter and it's it's definitely a craft and the more you practice the better you get and the more you write the easier it gets and so I think that if you had a passion for language and you had a passion for expressing yourself and communicating in a way that felt really true and really exciting you could absolutely do it. If you read a lot or you're engaged in the world around you and you see a lot of what's out there in advertising, in literature, in television, in film, uh, I think if you're engaged with culture, I think that really helps you to, to to craft your own writing as well. To familiarize yourself with a brand's tone of voice, I would say, obviously, read as much as you can about the things that they've done and the work that they've made. So if that's on a website or, you know, trawling through, whether it's ads of the world or whatever sort of advertising archives that you can, see what they've made, see what's out there, see how they're talking about things. And, you know, people, are, you're Propositions change a lot as well. So it's it's useful to see what people are talking about currently versus what they were talking about maybe five years ago um, and how that's evolved and how that's grown. Um, and a lot of the time that t- tone of voice will have maybe tweaked a little bit or sometimes it will have say, stayed pretty strong, which is good as well. But I think getting getting your head around it means you have to see as much of the work that they've made as possible. So I think trying to to really understand how they speak you can only do that by reading as much of the stuff that they put into the world and then uh, you know if if you were about to write something for them what kind of words would you use are the sentences long or short are they very formal or informal are they chatty are they reserved are they do they sound quite posh do they sound like you know the guy next door it's just trying to relate that to how you would speak to people in the real world and where do they fit as a personality because your tone of voice really is just a personality and you know, how would you describe them if they were a person? How would you, how would you imagine them if you, if you heard that voice coming from a person? What would they look like? What would they do? What would they be? So it's just kind of having that ability to just kind of sketch that personality from hearing all the ways that they talk.
0: Looking back, Haley shares advice on portfolios and practicing your craft. The advice that
1: I would give a young creative who maybe wants to become a copywriter is to obviously write loads, write as much as you can, in all different ways. Write poems, write haikus, write short stories, write films, write short film scripts, write funny puns, do as much of it as you can. Uh, I remember uh, one of my copywriting mentors said to me once that if you are writing a headline for whatever it is, uh, you'll probably write 30 or 40 really crap ones, and two of those might be quite good. Um, If you are studying and you want to... Have a portfolio that you you know you won't have maybe done actual paid work. Do loads of spec. Come up with your own briefs. The most important part of being a creative is your brain and your ideas. And so the concepts that you come up with, yes, you're going to craft beautiful copy. Yes, you're going to come up with a lovely way to say that thing. But the kernel of the idea, the actual concept, the actual idea behind everything is what people want to see in your portfolio. They want to see how you got from A to B. And that should hopefully be the weirdest way possible. They want to see that you got from uh, toothpaste to, you know, something really crazy about, you know, the sun setting over someone's mouth or whatever it is. That's rubbish. But they want to see your ideas being really, really strange and unconventional and that you can link it back to some sort of human truth like we spoke about earlier. Um, And then, you know, a killer line on the end of that absolutely doesn't hurt. But they definitely want to see how your brain works and how you come up with ideas.
0: This episode of Creative Lives was brought to you by Lecture in Progress. It was presented by me, Marianne Hanoon, and the guest was Haley Redman. The editor was Ivor Manley. Lecture in Progress is made possible with the support of a number of brand patrons. They include us two, GF Smith, and the Paul Smith Foundation. For more information, check out lectureinprogress.com.